<laughs> so, tell me about the giant human being that we're expecting to turn up in the next little bit. Imagine, like, the body of Johnny Bravo. <laughs> yeah, right. Like that upside-down V. Yeah. He's, he's just got, like, a statuesque thing about him and a very, like, casual saunter. I think he'd, I've just always known him as very casual. And it annoys me that he's a supreme athlete. Yes. This is Josh Bartel that I'm talking about. And I think said to you that... He, I worked with both of them, him and his brother Jace, and Jace was like the epitome of everything that you want in an athlete, like the amount of prep that he'd put in. He'd be sitting there for an hour stretching after Just and disciplined. E- eating a banana, <laughs> never drunk or anything like this, and Josh would smoke and drink and <laughs> roll in and everything. So I met him before he went down to to become an athlete. Yep. In a higher capacity, I suppose. Yes. So I feel like I felt heartstrings for Jace <laughs> being a little... He's smaller too, so maybe I just had a kindred spirit sort of you related. Eye to eye. Eye to eye with Jace and Josh was just big. Yeah. So for people that aren't familiar with Josh, like I wasn't until you said, hey, I know this guy who used, he plays for half of the year, professional gridiron in Canada in front of tens of thousands of people. <laughs> I'm like, there's a guy in the local area that plays in the CFL. Look at the yeah. Canadian Football League. And I just didn't really know what you were getting at to begin with. I'm like, this does not compute with my brain. <laughs> to be honest, there's a lot of things that have come up since we've been doing this. And you'll be like, who we got? And I was like, oh, this is one guy that I know. And I've realised I know quite a lot of interesting people. Yeah, but I don't know how that did it. <laughs> Registered, registered straight, earlier. Straight up. <laughs> because to me, and I, I hope that you've realised this, I don't rate or talk to people based on where they are in the social stature no, or what they've definitely done. definitely don't. No. So I don't look at him and go, oh, wow, he's been playing in the CFL. I look at him and it's like, oh, he's Josh Bartle from Keywar. He's a really nice guy and he always has been. Yeah. Like that's that's all. He just does this other thing for. He just does this, other, but I don't register people like, oh my god, he's so he's so dreamy. And he goes and plays <laughs> CFL over in Canada. He's just another person yeah. that I know. And I guess for me, and it probably wasn't obvious until you t- introduced the idea of having him on to me, that I've got this hardcore romanticism about Canada that I don't have about any other country. Yeah. So for me, it was probably, if you had to said, oh, I know this guy that went to college and played good on in America, I'm like, oh, whatever. I know a bunch of people that play basketball over there. Yeah. But the fact that it was Canada just really tweaked my brain, as you would say. <laughs> as soon as you heard about Josh and Canada, you went fangirl. <laughs> fangirl. You're like, oh, I'm really excited about this. I was. I, did, and I think went, I said it five times this week. <laughs> and you went... I'm not sure if you know, Mel, but I have a very high infatuation level with Canada and did, all things did you know later. That? Yeah, this is you telling me again. Like it's a, this is like fun, fun to facts you. about jo- Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I get a good guest or something, he goes, I'm not sure if you know this about me, but. Yeah. So. So I and, expect not just Josh today, but all future guests to have some connection to Canada so I can be interested. It's not just Canada. It's if you preface it with I'm not sure you know about this. Yeah. <laughs> then I know that I'm on to a good thing. <laughs> right. Okay, I'll remember that. <laughs> and I'll make sure that if I'm really excited, I'll actually write those words. Yeah. 
Anyway, we better get into it. We've rambled on long enough. We have. You can support the show at punchingsideways.com. You can buy us a coffee there and share the show. And if you do enjoy today's episode, give Josh a shout out on Instagram. Yes. I think I, that's where I first went and checked out what he actually does. Mm-hmm. It's just pictures of him and all these other giant athletes running around with footballs and, yeah, just share the show with someone that might be interested. Uh, welcome to Punching Sideways. We've got Josh Bartell in here. Uh, with the other Josh, not quite the, as impressive. We've got a more impressive Josh he is in impressive. the studio today. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> I don't know why I waved then. No one can see that. <laughs> Correct. But you <laughs> waved to us. Yeah. It made yeah. me feel yeah, good. There you go. It was great. Yeah. I, I feel yeah. like Now I feel like we're I'll really connected. I'll the, the fans through the window there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a heap of them, actually. Yeah. We had security to get you in through the door. Yeah. I had to lead you in through the rabbit warren and take some sort of left field squirrely yeah. turns. To... Normally it's security kicking me out, but <laughs> it's nice being brought in by security. Yes. So the reason that we have you here is you're from the Albury-Wodonga local area and you've done some pretty cool things in your time. Mainly what I would like to delve into, how does someone from Keywar growing up on like a dairy farm area <laughs> end up over in Canada being a punter? Yes. No, it's it's actually a pretty, oh, pretty interesting story. Long story, long journey. Let's hear um, it. All right. Well, Sit down, take a so, seat. So you you were playing like AFL version of football. Yeah, so I was what? pretty much, I was running around at Wodonga Bulldogs there, just kicking around. Wasn't really enjoying me footy too much, like it was more of a jag. And saw like Ben Graham and Savaroka were sort of over in the NFL there, kicking around and doing pretty good too. And I always, always sort of thought I had like a decent leg on me. You know, I was, often try kick barrels out of fullback and one out of ten had come off and... Mm-hmm. You know, I'd sort of go a decent distance and just sort of, yeah, got to that stage where I wasn't enjoying footy. I was going to quit, actually. Then it was actually mum jumped on Google, which I was surprised she knew how to <laughs> how to search it and <laughs> found a guy down in Melbourne with uh, Pro Kick Australia, Nathan Chapman, mm-hmm. and gave him a phone call. I think it was the next weekend we drove down to Princess Park. It was a $50 fee for a workout just to, you know, to see if I've got what it takes to, well, got the leg really and sort of the ability to kick a, an NFL ball. And, yeah, it was, well, I guess it was the best $50 that oh, mum, okay. mum ever spent. Does, has mum got that back yet? <laughs> no. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Jude, no. you I'm, calling it in. No, I'm 35 and I'm still living off mum and dad. <laughs> They're never going to get rid of me. She's probably Googling, how do I get this guy out of the house? <laughs> <laughs> mum and dad could have probably retired 15 years ago if they didn't have me. So just with the, you said there, Josh, whether you've got the NFL quote unquote leg mm. and a, a North American football type punt, what exactly defines that versus someone that we might think of as having a big, you know, a big kick in the AFL? How are those things different and how far apart are they in terms of expectation? No, it's it's surprising. Like if you sort of see someone that you think's got a decent leg, they're probably they're probably good like enough ben for Ben Graham it. obviously is the biggest yeah. kick in the AFL yeah, probably he's of all time. He's, yeah. he's probably above average. But I think it's you know there's a lot of people running around here in like the the country footy legs that have got really good legs on them, and they could they could definitely have a crack at it and do what I've done. But 
I think it's the more thing. It's just consistency. Like with the with the NFL ball or what I was in. I was in the Canadian league, so I was a CFL ball. So it's just you know, out of ten kicks, you sort of you got to try to hit like eight or nine of them pretty like nice tight spirals and turn it over. It's just more about consistency more than a massive leg. So they'll they'll pick a player that can kick it, you know, fifty five meters consistently over a guy that'll kick it seventy. Then his next kick will be thirty five. So that's that's the big thing. Let's can you just sort of describe to us? So once you you know had that little workshop, the fifty dollar best investment, <laughs> which of I want to know about what happened there. So yeah, yeah, so so what what happened there, and what actually then goes in from that point to getting you to you know elite level? Because yeah. it wouldn't have just been a walk walk up thing. And you yeah. never come across to me as the most motivated person. <laughs> To be what honest. are you saying? He's doing it on his ear. Oh no, no. I'm, I know that there, there would have been a lot of work to go into it, but yeah. I probably met you probably in that like I don't really care phase. Yeah. So oh, to see enough. the um, the transition from that, what sort of work went in when you sort of realised, oh, I might have a crack here. Yeah. So pretty much from that initial try out down to Princess Park, oh, I'm going to say it was probably nearly eighteen months before I actually. Ended up getting a job over in Canada, so did the workout with Chappie at Princess Park. Did well. He goes, "Yep, you've got what it takes." I was like, "Righto." So, what's the next step now? And he's like, "Righto. Well, you got to quit football. Here's five balls. Go back home. Just kick. You know, every second night, every second day." And then after a couple months, he says, "Got to move down to Melbourne and train with him full time." So, pretty much moved down to Melbourne. Moved in with um, Big Tomo, Big Brad Thompson, who mm-hmm. took me under his wing there, looked after me very well. And, yeah, I was just training with Chappie every day. There was about, at the time then, I think there was five or six guys in the program. And this is... And did any of those guys come from the same induction that you did? Or Yeah, yeah, all the same. Like, it's... Because the program was pretty fresh, like, Chappie was sort of getting it up and running. As all the other guys that were doing what I was doing, there was the five or six of us sort of, you know, similar similar scenario, coming coming down for a workout, then quitting footy. They all all of us had the football backgrounds and kinda of helped too that Chappie had a guy over in Green Bay on a at the training camp, Chris Bryan, he used to play for Carlton and Collingwood. So it sort of gave me a little bit more of a, a decent reputation leaning someone in the NFL there for a training camp. Didn't work out, but you know, it's so pretty much then we're in Melbourne training, you know, and then he's it's so uh, it's it look the kicking technique is it's a lot more different than just kicking barrels with the Aussie rules ball. Yeah, I was going to ask. Obviously, mm. there I'm assuming there's a baseline amount of kicking ability and also power and distance. Yeah, but how? And you talked about how it has to be reliably one style of punt. Yeah, more often than not. How much did you have to change your own kicking mechanics? Was it more different than you expected it to be? Yeah, it was a lot harder. It, was, it probably took me, I'm going to say, three months of actually kind of getting a little bit consistent. Like those couple months, it's just absolutely shanking everything. Like they were going left, right. Some, you know, on a windy day, a couple went behind me one time, which was pretty embarrassing. Um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, because like in the Aussie rules, you're sort of like when you're winding up for a barrel, you're sort of, you know, you're hooking out to the right and swinging through it and cutting across the ball, whereas... When you're trying to kick a, a gridiron ball, it's sort of catch it, two steps, leg straight up through, 
nice and smooth. And, and, and I'm assuming, I mean, I didn't play AFL anywhere near the level that you have, but normally when you're going to kick a ball like that, Normally it's a clearance ball or you're kicking to space or yeah. you're just loading up just to get it out of the back line. Mm. Or it's not really a ball where you're aiming for a massive amount of accuracy nah. most of the time. No, exactly. And you're not trying to get a hell of a lot of hang time either. You're just, yeah. like, you're just trying to line drive it you know, 70 So meters. can you just, before we go too far into the story about how you became a punter and then talk CFL, can you talk us about what the goal of a good punt actually is in, yeah. in gridiron or... Well, they're all over there in the yard, so we'll go to, go to meters. I think because you're kicking... From snap, like you're already 15 yards behind because they're throwing it back to you. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to kick a ball about 55, 55 metres and, yeah, it's got to hang up in the air there for 4.5 seconds. So you need that hang time for your cover team to sort of run down there and, you know, stop the returner from running the ball back. It's kind of like uh, rugby after the five tackles, they kick the ball away. You know, similar scenario. So, But then if you, if you kick it too low without any hang time, then the returner catches it and he's got 30, 40 metres before your cover team is even near him. So I'm assuming your whole life playing at a decent level in the AFL, everyone would have been saying, get it down, get it down, get it yeah. down, low and flat as hard as you can mm. to have that kind of reversed yeah, so in your head. You've pretty much gone from you know 20 years of kicking Aussie rules football of like you know stab passes and everything like that to, you know, just kick it as high and as far as you can. So. Rainmakers. Rainmakers. Well, yeah. I got a the rain. Yeah. I used to get bagged out a lot for my rainmakers playing fullback. <laughs> Hos- hospital del- balls. <laughs> yeah. I remember Jared Healy told me, young fella, if you could kick as far as you could up, you'd do all right. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this amount of time that you spent down in Melbourne, was that funded at all? This is just chasing the dream. Yeah, no, it's all off. All off my own bat. Or, you know, mum and dad obviously helped out immensely. Um, the program with Chappie, there's a, there's a bit of a fee there that, you know, you've got to sign up for all the coaching and everything mm-hmm. like that. So, but that gives you access. So all the balls, the jugs machines, the um, the fields that we train on. And then he um, hooked us up with a, a PT guy there down in Melbourne as well. So the 18 months is, you know, constant gym, kicking and film as well. So like every sort of couple of months we'd, do a film, see how we're progressing. Mm-hmm. And if the film actually looked pretty good, like the film is in, you know, 15 kicks in a row, and if yep. they look pretty decent, then you'd you know, send them over to the States there to some of the scouts in the NFL. And But none of them got back, obviously. <laughs> so what sort of hours were you doing, like full-time, as if you are a professional athlete, hours? When we're in Melbourne? Yeah. It sort of, oh, it sort of varies. Like we'll sort of start at eight and then, because there was a few of us, we probably wouldn't finish till lunchtime, but that's not all constant kicking for those four or five hours. It's, you know, you, you might have kick for 10 minutes and then you'll help go shag some balls for the other fellas that are kicking. Then there is a little bit of downtime, but that downtime you're always working on your ball drop because that's it's pretty important. you got to get the ball nice and flat in the right angle. Can't have it too in, can't have it too out, can't have it too far out in front of you or too close to the body because it jams you up. So... Going back to like thinking about how many ball drops I've practiced, it'd be nearly in the millions, I reckon. <laughs> just forever doing it. You've got a very long arm. It seems like it'd be easy for you to just get it away from your body enough. Mm. It's just well, yeah, sometimes long arms, long limbs, just long levers. Long, you do, you do have long levers. Yeah. So with with that and chasing your dream, you know, you're all going for theoretically the same type of job. 
was there a level of, you know, obviously you're sharing a camaraderie a little bit because you're all learning at the same time, but was there a competitive edge where you sort of were happy to sort of push one under the bus <laughs> a little bit to take his that place? That was eloquently asked. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's it was kind of, it's, it was tough in Melbourne pushing the fellas under the bus because, you know, it's, we're all in the same boat. We sort of moved away. You know, we had a guy from Lee and Gutha, a guy from Warnable come into Melbourne and, so we've all we've like all pretty good buddies, and you know, I think being Australian, you sort of can't really throw your buddies under the bus. Like it's it was more friendly, yeah, com- competition, I guess. Like you know, friendly banter, but um, it was kind of weird because the first time we went to Canada for a workout with a team, I was actually kicking against one of the buddies that I was with <laughs> in Melbourne. Yeah. There was five of us that flew to Canada for all these workouts, and. You know, yeah, just actually end up kicking against one of your buddies, and you sort of, you know, you do you kick well, then you'd sort of secretly hope, you know, hopefully you shank this ball so it makes <laughs> me look better. And- Can I ask a question about Australians in the CFL, the Canadian Football League? Then, why is it that really, other than people from North America, Australia is the only real hotbed of talent that goes to the NFL and or the CFL? Yeah. Is it is it the heritage of AFL that prepares people for being mouldable? Into yeah. a, a punter, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much is. You know, in in Australia, we sort of grown up. As soon as you can sort of walk and talk, you start kicking a footy around. Like, you know, it's you know, kids sort of four or five start kicking the footy around. Whereas over in America and North America, and that they they grow up throwing the ball, like baseball, you know, glove and that they're throwing it, gridiron ball they're throwing it. They don't even think about being a punter or a kicker. So I think it's it's more like they think about becoming a punter when they realise they can't play any other position. Like they're, they're not good enough to play quarterback, they're not quick enough to play receiver yep. sort of thing. So that's why I like the Australians are so more appealing is because we've been kicking for 15 years before, you know, yeah. we're even 20. So There's just a baseline mm. level of talent and yep. familiarity, I guess. Yeah, and it also helps like with Australians or playing Aussie rules, we're always used to kicking under pressure. Yep. So when you're in a game, like... When you're catching the snap from the snapper, you've got seven or eight guys running straight at you trying to yeah. smash it. So this is one ball. question I had today, Josh. Oh, yeah. Can you describe, because my, my brother, who was a really good football player, he played in the VFA for Coburg, probably just right below the AFL at that point. He went, He's seen some NFL athletes in person, and he just said they are just next level. Monsters. Can you describe to us when you went to the training camp for the NFL, yeah. what, what's it like to be around athletes? Because the way it's been Real described athletes, to yeah. me <laughs> is that you're talking about pretty much a collection of the greatest athletes on the planet all in one place together. Yeah. Well, with with the, the gridiron, it's every sort of body type it's, is on the team. Like you got the, the O-line, the big fat guys, but... Are they actually fat though? Are they just... They're, Heavy, <laughs> they're heavy, and they're they're bloody strong too. Like there's, I reckon they're probably about on our team. There's probably one or two guys that were probably six, seven, six, eight, and they're probably about 140 to 150 kilos. And their first ten yards are are pretty quick, and they <laughs> and they're strong as hell. Like yeah, I could probably move a car, like no <laughs> doubt. And then when they're running downfield, like lead blocking, they're trying to kill the opposition. Like because the DBs, they're small little guys, like Jace's size. Yeah. So, so if like they Jace see, is Josh's brother, yeah. just so you know. Yeah, a little fella. Yeah. So yeah. if they see a little DB, they're trying to put him out of the game for sure. And so then, were they clo- when you're doing your, I'm assuming practice punts, 
what was it like having people at that level, at that size, closing that distance? Like on you as, like yeah. I'm assuming you're, were your heads steady when you caught the ball or were they a little shaky? I remember my first pre-season game, I think I did like, it might have been seven or eight punts during the game and the first five, I can't even remember what they were like. It was, <laughs> I was running out there. I don't even know if I was running or staggering, walking. I was just sweating and like a little bit of shakes and then you've also got like 30, 40,000 people in the crowd as well and I'm only used to sort of playing in front of maybe 100, 200 people. And Most of them are lining up for a pie. <laughs> yeah, and half of them are my cousins as yeah. well. So. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like that first one catching the snap and, you know, it's all you sort of hear is just like all the cracks of the helmets because everyone's like running at each other, headbutting each other and then you just like, you just fingers crossed that, they're actually blocking the people trying to get to you because if they come through clean, like, they love nothing yeah, Basically, better. you're expected to try and stop someone at that point, aren't you, if they get through? No, nah, I've got to try and just kick it before they get to me. Yeah, so, but I'm sorry, oh, when, yeah. when they're returning, if yeah. they were to, for whatever reason, get through, get the, through, you would actually have to try and stop them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what they say. Like. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like a... Oh, well, you, the the punt returners yeah. are the smallest, quickest, shiftiest people like you'll ever see. And here I am, big six foot four, pretty docile kind of guy. And yeah, there's a few returners that made me look pretty stupid. And <laughs> I've made a few highlight reels over there in Canada. Not for... <laughs> not for the right reason. <laughs> not for me being the highlight. Anyway. I, I just wanted to, for people listening, Josh, give some perspective on quickly where you've played, but also the size of... The cities, because yep. I think in people's minds, they think, oh, Canada, there's a similar, I mean, it's a bigger country than Australia population-wise, but yep. they probably don't realise how big some of these mid-sized cities are. So you play for the Hamilton Tigers, that was in Ontario. Yep. That's 530,000 people. Uh, Saskatchewan, oh, sorry, Regina, the city of Regina in Saskatchewan. Regina. Sorry. Yeah. Regina, Regina. 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 Yeah, Regina. <laughs> <laughs> Two hundred and sixty thousand people. And then the greater Vancouver area where you played for the, the BC Lions, that's two point five million people. Yeah. So thirty, forty thousand, particularly a city like that, a major market, that probably isn't unusual, but no. what was the like are these fans as crazy as we imagine yeah. sports fans to be? Yes. Yeah, because I don't think people think it's the hotbed of American style football is nah. Canada. <laughs> no, it's it's. Well, I suppose Canada's more known for their ice hockey and yeah, and all that. But um, the first two teams I played it was the you know Hamilton Ticats and then Saskatchewan. Their fans are very very passionate. I actually played in a Grey Cup, which is the grand final. I was playing for Hamilton against Saskatchewan in my second year, and it was in Saskatchewan. I think it was like 60, 60 something thousand there, and it was minus. I'm gonna say like minus ten to fifteen. And these Saskatchewan fans, because it was their home ground, absolutely crazy. I think it was, they were drunk by 10 a.m. for sure. And I remember warming up in the kicking net and it's right next to the, you know, the crowd. And I'm sort of like a pretty chilled, nice guy. I'll, t- I'll speak to anyone. And these Saskatchewan fans go, hey, Bartell. And I turned around with a smile on my face. And they <laughs> you effing suck. <laughs> and I was like looking at them, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Piss off back to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. And I was talking to me kicking. He's like, yeah, these Saskatchewan fans are crazy. The yeah. best the best way I could describe them is um, probably close to Collingwood fans, I <laughs> guess you could say. Um, yeah, right. And then... Well, the drunk by 10 a.m. thing yeah, goes that yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the next year I ended up getting traded to Saskatchewan and absolutely loved the fans. 
you got to you kind of brought up there. Sorry, Mel. Yeah. Just before I forget, I've been. I'm really fascinated with Canada, just as yeah. a place. We're about to enter a quote unquote heat wave here in Australia, and you just said it's. I mean, from what I could work out, the CFL's played over what's meant to be summer. Yeah, <laughs> and you're talking about negative ten to fifteen Celsius. Mm. Can you describe it, Canadian cold versus Australian cold? Oh, the Canadian cold, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, it, it goes straight through your body into your bones, the cold. Like, it's absolutely freezing, especially when you're on the sideline. I think the worst game I played in was uh, minus 22 to 25 with wind chill. <laughs> and that was that was in um, Edmonton. It was one of the playoff games. And I'm sort of thinking that, yeah, I don't really care if we lose because I can go straight back to Australia in two days and it's 35 degrees. I can be <laughs> swimming in my pool. Obviously, I didn't say that to any of my teammates because they're like, come on, let's win, let's win. I'm like, shit, I don't know. It's, it's pretty warm back home at the moment. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was that game's like a couple of fellas got frostbite. Um, you know, your eyes would water and when you blink, your eyes would freeze shut because the – That's just <laughs> that – that's um, it was crazy, That's, and then you got that like, is crazy. You see the coaches, and they've got like icicles running out of their nostrils, and and because you know we're only wearing lycra on the sideline, and being a punter, I stand around for ninety percent of the game. It's like first thing to go is your feet; they're frozen, gone. You go out to kick a ball, you can't even feel the ball on your foot. You just hopefully you've made contact with something that's. Yeah, and it goes forward. And does the ball hurt when it hits your hands? Kills. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you catch those laces. Those laces are like frozen. And because the ball's spinning so hard when it gets thrown back to you, you catch the laces wrong and then, yeah, she stings. And then even when you kick the ball, if you kick those laces, it's like kicking a brick. I remember, oh, you know, sort of when it, the car, well, I'll say a couple of weeks, like leading up to the playoff games, you're at practice. And then by the end of it, you just got like a bruise all over your foot from just kicking this cold ball. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, it's going to be cold during the playoff game. You know, we're going to practice outside. We've got to get used to this. And I was like, oh, What shit. month are we talking here, though? Well, the season, it starts in summer. Yeah. And then it, it goes finishes into the dead cold. of winter. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, you normally, it's, you know, I've played a couple of games where we're in a foot of snow, obviously in the minuses. <laughs> and then, you know, at the start of the season, you're normally playing in 35 degree weather. Everyone's cramping up by half time because it's yeah. just that hot. I was talking to a friend on Skype, and it's funny you said the thing about your eyes. Freezing sharp. <laughs> yeah. He's, he works in an office building where to get to the car park because he, he's in Calgary. Mm. And sometimes with wind chill, it gets to negative 40 there. Yeah. He said they actually have a heated walkway to the car park because the the liquid in your eyes can freeze yeah. if you're outside in that weather. <laughs> I was like, what? Because I love the cold. Oh, That's why man. I brought it up. And then yeah, yeah. I'm, a few people have said to me, you don't know real cold. You think you like the cold because I fantasize about Canada. Oh, it's my perfect weather. Never oh. gets hot. I don't think I, know, I understand real no, cold. No, definitely. <laughs> you, you're probably like, oh, this is awesome for a day. Then you're like, no. Nah. <laughs> this uh, fascinates me because that was the question I was going to ask you. What sort of clothing do they get you to wear to counteract that? But there's, no, there's nothing. There's, there's not a hell of a lot because you've still got to be able to move pretty swiftly as well. So. How swift can you move when you're frozen, though? <laughs> so oh, when you're like... on the sideline, you're in those, like you brought up Green Bay. I watch a lot of Aaron Rodgers highlights just because mm. he seems to pull off something freaky yeah, every week. Coat. But he's always covered in these massive coats that look yeah. like he's standing inside a refrigerator. Yeah. Did cool. you guys have those when you were Yeah, on? Yeah, our equipment guys at SAS were pretty good. Like we had sort of the best of the best stuff there with the equipment. The worst thing is it's sort of when it gets to like in the single digits – I'm looking for those big jackets and no one else really 
thinks it's cold at all. And I'm like, <laughs> and the equipment guy goes, come on, mate, you can't be the, the first idiot to put this jacket on. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. You were happy to freezing. take that bullet though, were you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't care. After half time, I was like, give me the jacket. I'll take all the shit they'll give me. <laughs> so, but I remember yeah, um, first year we were in Sask as well. Saw a, well, I think we are going to a supermarket or something there and there was a car and it had like a little um, extension lead out the sort of the front of the car. And I talked to, I got Ellie, I was like, oh, look at this idiot. Like he's obviously ran over something and that. And then I was talking to one of my teammates, asking, like telling the story that this guy's ran over extension lead. And he goes, nah, it's, they pull that extension lead out and plug it into a PowerPoint so their car doesn't freeze overnight. I was like, what the hell? What do they put, got a heater in there? Yeah. So they <laughs> plug it into a PowerPoint overnight where they, you know, obviously in their garage or something so the engine doesn't freeze up. I was like, how cold does it get here? I was like, are you so the engine, me? I'm assuming the coolant would freeze. Yeah, yeah. Yes, or everything. So Holy moly. Here I am thinking this idiot's just ran over an extension lead or something <laughs> like that, but it's actually <laughs> keep his engine warm during the night. It sounds terrible. I'm actually pretty bad at the moment, aren't I? <laughs> to me it sounds, still sounds pretty romantic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember the one, oh, there was one time we flew back home, um, we left Saskatchewan, uh, the wind chill was minus... 35, I think it was, like, we're, they're about to take off and, of course, you have to, the plane has to get completely hosed down with, um, or de-ice it or whatever it is, uh, antifreeze, I'm sort of guessing. Never never seen that before. And then, so we leave Canada, it was minus 35 in Regina, and then we land in Sydney and it was 35, 36 degrees. So we've had, like, a, a 70-degree swing. Because <laughs> we're all rugged up, we've got our hoodies on, tracky pants on because we've just left Canada and poor Ellie, the wife, she gets out in Sydney Heat rash everywhere. Just uh, blows up the poor oh, girl. Gosh. So it took us a few days to get used to the coming We back just talked about heat. Yeah. Was there ever a point where during those summers your Canadian teammates or North American teammates were complaining about how hot it was? Because <laughs> I was assuming it yeah. wouldn't get above mid-20s or yeah. however hot it gets. <laughs> there, was, there was probably a couple of days where it got to low 30s. and That's know, heat that, wave territory. That is heat wave. Like he's sort of, they're sending out messages on the news like, you know, elderly don't go outside, stay inside <laughs> where it's nice and cool. Yeah, and we're here, it's 40 and they're out just cruising around. Yeah, they're yeah, cruising around on the walkers <laughs> having a great time, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy and, you know, sort of low 30s and I'm still... Yeah, you know, rock a long sleeve shirt sometimes in the morning. It's a little bit crisp and everyone's rocking around and, you know, the shorts and the thongs and the singlets. And does that extreme weather, because I guess it's somewhat limiting for people as to what they can do day to day, did that make those colder towns sports fans maybe even more obsessed with getting out to the game? Yeah. Because it was somewhere they could all be together, whereas, you know, they yeah. can't go out and do maybe some of the stuff they normally would. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing they sort of... Yeah, they're penciling in those the rider or the rough rider home games every sort of second week, and you know it's because there wasn't much else to do in the prairies. Like our team was the only sort of sports team to follow around there, and especially the dead of winter as well. You you are pretty limited with your social life, so yeah, they used to live for those games. And like I said, they started pretty early. They used to go tailgating, so they get there at ten, park their cars in the car park, and just start boozing on in the back of the car, and they're playing like. <laughs> Um, what is it, sand, you know, what's, what's that little bag that you throw into the hole? Like uh, a beanbag toss, I think it might have been one of the They play beanbag toss at the footy. Yeah, like just in the car park before the game starts. <laughs> oh, really? Like this is a, so we probably play like 7 or 8 o'clock at night and they're there before lunch playing, drinking, <laughs> shots of fireball. The, 
Sorry, my, my wife Ellie's done a few of those once as well. She's she's a fan of tailgating. Well, spe- speaking of that, how do you manage to get such a, a lovely and supportive wife in this journey that you think? Well, firstly, firstly, I want to know what it was like to get that call that you're in, mm. and and then and then how did you manage to keep and get Ellie? In amongst all that. Keeper. Keeper. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was. So, guys, that's the end of part one with CFL football player and local Keywar boy, Josh Bartell. We thought that would be a good spot to finish up, mostly because we covered off a lot of the Canada stuff, the gridiron stuff, and we were kind of just parlaying back into how Josh spends the other half of his year back here in the local area. So the next episode, we delve pretty deep into how Josh balances those two different lifestyles and having his family along for the journey. So it's a really interesting part two that's coming later in the week. And just a quick reminder, you can go to Punching Sideways to share the show, listen to the show, and also you can press the buy me a coffee button there. If you think that the show is worth a couple of bucks and you had fun for the last half an hour, We'd really appreciate anything you can do for us because really a share is as good as a dollar. So we're not here with our pan out hoping you give us money. Really what we'd love is that you just introduce Punching Sideways to someone that you think might enjoy the show. And yeah, if you know a friend that listens to podcasts already, that might be a good place to start. Okay, part two with Josh Bartell coming later in the week. The easiest way to reach out to us is to go to the Punching Sideways Facebook page, facebook.com slash punching sideways, and send us a message. Okay, laters. This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.